reading from uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 1, 1 to 11. It's the first book of the New Testament. Mark, is it? Oh, just as well you corrected me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'm sorry. Give you time to find it too. Ah, there we go. Okay, Mark, chapter 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all people of Jerusalem went out to him, Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit." At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the, Gordon, in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Sorry. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Thanks, Janine. Uh, 6-8 to are going to stay in for our, for our sermon today. Um, let's pray again as we come to this part of God's Word. Our Father, we, we do thank you for your Word and we ask that you give us uh, insight and understanding. Please give us ears to hear, minds to understand and hearts ready to respond to you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is uh, the new year and uh, new year can be a time for reflection, can be a time for anticipation as we, we reflect backwards on the, uh, the year that's, that's passed and as we look forward to and anticipate the year ahead. Um, I don't know if you've done that um, personally, maybe you reflected on the, you know, the year, the 2023 and what it held for you and looking ahead to 2024. Um, maybe we, we, we sometimes do that um, on a bigger world stage as we consider you know, what were the big events of the, it, it, that happened in the world in 2023 and, uh, and the impact that they have had or maybe that they will have going forward. Um, I wonder what comes to mind for you as you consider the big events for 2023. Maybe just take a moment to, uh, to have a think, chat to the person next to you. What, what are the big things that happened in the world in this past year? Uh, just take a moment to, um, to have a, a think about... Whoops, whoop, you go back. You're in charge there, you are, Liam. Uh, what were the big world events for 2023? Just take a moment.
I'm not hearing a lot of chatter. Maybe it's something we've, we've all written off 2023. That's, that's gone. Anyone want to offer a, a suggestion of uh, a, a big event in the world in 2023? King Charles was, was coronated, indeed. Yes, I, I did look. The 6th of May, 2023, he was coronated. Technically became king on the, the Queen's death, but he was coronated in, in 2023. So. War in Gaza, yes. Yes, indeed, there's been, um, I mean, there are many wars throughout the world, but the, uh, the, uh, the war in Gaza, um, Israel and Hamas has really flared up in a big way, 2023, yep. Russia and Ukraine, I hear, yep, two, uh, two big wars, so yes. Other events? Sorry? Floods and earthquakes, yes, natural, natural disasters. Yep. I'm sorry, was yep. Yep, been been many. I, I'm not uh, great for for current affairs. I got out of the habit of watching the news years ago, and I haven't haven't changed it. But I, I did uh, Google big. Yeah, uh, uh, what was it? Um, significant events in 2023. Came up with a few few things. Um, uh, yes, some wars. Uh, the official end of COVID-19 happened, uh, according to the World Health Organization, in 2023. Um, there's been a lot of COVID around Christmas, but um, but no longer a pandemic, apparently. Um, yes, the coronation of King Charles. The the, the women's FIFA World Cup uh, in July, August. Uh, that was that happened. Yep. Uh, the launch of AI, um, artificial intelligence, in a big way, sorry, on a big scale, through things like uh, ChatGTP. Uh, and I guess we could go on and reflect on significant events, world events in uh, 2023. But I wonder if you'd say that any of those events are world-changing events. Uh, will 2023 be regarded as a, well, that was the year that that happened? For example, will it be the year that, uh, that we say AI took over the world? I guess what time will tell. Um, that, there are many world-changing events that do impact many lives, that, that change many people's lives. Uh, and yet many of the events, perhaps most of the events that happen, that kind of gain the status of, of world-changing, in the end they don't really impact or change our lives all that significantly. Maybe they do have a, a kind of short-term impact, but their in, impact tends to, to fade over time. This morning, I want us to consider from this passage before us in Mark's Gospel, one world-changing event, which really is the world-changing event. Uh, this is an event that, that has impacted, that will impact, that ought to impact the lives of every person on this planet, including you and me. And that is, of course, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into this world. Jesus has impacted this world like no other person in history. I mean, it, even our calendar system reflects that fact. I mean, his, his life is the, the centre between BC and AD. He is literally at the centre of the way that we measure history. Jesus has impacted this world. And we, we read of that, uh, his arrival in, this, uh, in this, this chapter before us, the beginning of Mark's Gospel, his arrival onto the public scene. Uh, that is, we see the origin of this, this world-changing event. And my question this morning for you and for me is how is and, and how will this world-changing event, the arrival of Jesus, how will that be a life-changing event for you 
for me? How has this event and how is this event impacting us? Uh, is it something that we, we look back on and say, well, that, that was interesting, that was significant, that had an impact on this world, but it doesn't really make much difference to my life today? Or will it actually be the key world-changing event that is also a life-changing event for us? Something that's, that's going to shape us, that's going to drive us in this, this day, this week, this month, this, and on into this year of 2024. It is the beginning of the year, uh, this time of reflection, of anticipation. And so I thought it'd be good for us to, uh, to go back to, to the beginning, to meet and get to know the real Jesus as he's presented to us, as he's introduced to us on the pages of Mark's Gospel. And we're going to be working through Mark's Gospel in the coming months, uh, through Term 1, past Easter, and into the beginning of Term 2, where we'll, uh, we'll uh, have the Mark drama um, uh, outreach uh, at the beginning of Term 2. And I really hope that working through Mark's Gospel will, will give us a fresh understanding of who Jesus is, of who he is, of what he did, and what a difference he makes to us and to our lives today. We're uh, dealing with beginnings and uh, Mark's gospel begins with the beginning. See there in uh, Mark 1 verse 1, you'll need your Bibles open, I should have said that before, uh, so you can follow through as, uh, as, uh, as we go. I'm not going to be putting Mark's, uh, Mark passages on the screen. Uh, so Mark 1 verse 1 says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, this is not just Mark saying, this is the beginning of the good news. Uh, you know, this isn't just kind of, this is the first sentence of my book. I mean, that would be kind of a, a strange thing to, to write. But um, it's more than that. He's saying, here is how the, the good news, the gospel message of Jesus began. Here is the origin of it. I mean, you, you dear reader, he says, you may have heard a lot about Jesus. You may know uh, some stuff about this Christianity thing. Well, here is how it began. Here are the events in which it is anchored. Here is its beginning. Here is the origin. And that's really helpful and relevant for us today. I mean, we all have heard to varying degrees about Jesus. Uh, we all know a little or a lot about Christianity. This short account of things by Mark, this shows us what it's really about, where, the, where this good news came from, how it began. And the first thing Mark says as he lays this foundation he says, if you want to understand the gospel of Jesus, you need to understand the Old Testament. You need to understand that the first two-thirds of the Bible leading up to Jesus. He says, verse 2, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So Mark here quotes from, uh, from the Old Testament uh, written hundreds of years before Jesus, prophesying, looking ahead to the coming of the Lord. And, and th this prophecy that he, he uh, quotes here, it's actually a combination of, of three Old Testament prophecies. From uh, Exodus 23, verse 20. So there's this, this hint of a, of a new Exodus. Uh, then of, of Malachi 3, verse 1, which is the last book of the Old Testament, looking forward. And Isaiah 40, verse 3, the which is at the turning point in the book of Isaiah, signalling the coming of the Lord in salvation. And so it's like Mark is saying, well, the whole Old Testament is pointing towards this. Uh, this prophecy, this prophecy is about, it's about a messenger, someone who will come in the wilderness, it says, 
who will come to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And so Mark quotes uh, this collective prophecy and then he says, this was fulfilled by John the Baptist. So verse 4, he says, and so John the Baptist appeared. He, he fulfilled this prophecy. He appeared in the wilderness. He's this wilderness messenger. His message preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, what's this baptism? Well, baptism is a, uh, is a symbol of cleansing, of, of washing. And uh, the Jews had all sorts of washing rituals. But John's baptism, his washing was, notice, about a repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This, this outward washing was a symbol of an, of an inward change, a change of mind. That's what repentance means, a, a changing of mind, changing of heart to turn away from sin to be forgiven. That's how John got people ready for the Lord. He, he called them to, to clean up their lives spiritually, to, to repent, to seek forgiveness. John appeared and he got people ready. Just like if, you know, if someone important is coming to visit your, visit your house, you, you're likely to kind of clean things up a bit and get ready for their visit. You, know, you might anticipate their coming by, I don't know, vacuuming, doing the dishes, taking out the garbage, dealing with the mountain of washing that's in the lounge room, or just to pick some hypothetical things that you might do if someone important was coming to visit. John prepared the way. He got people ready, got them ready for the coming of the Lord. That is, he preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, John was a, a curious person. For one thing, he, he dressed rather oddly, you'd have to say. Verse 6, it says, and Mark points this out, John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And we might think, well, that's a strange detail to include. You know, why did Mark include this detail about what John wore? Um, but it's actually very similar to another person from the Old Testament. It's a very similar description to that of the prophet Elijah. Uh, so in 2 Kings 1 verse 8, and this will come up on the screen here. Thanks, Liam. Uh, it describes Elijah in this way. He had a garment of hair and had a leather belt around his waist. John is like Elijah and actually in the in the closing words of the Old Testament in Malachi 4 verse 5 it says Elijah will appear before the coming of the Lord so Mark is showing that that John was this this Elijah type person getting people ready for the coming of the Lord and that's what John did through what he said so verse 7 continues this was his message after me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. So someone is coming after John. He's just, he's just preparing the crowd for the main attraction. And the one coming is, is so much greater than him, he says. Which is, you've got to say, that's saying something because John, he was a pretty big deal. He had a big impact uh, look there in verse 5, it says uh, that uh, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. John was a big deal. I mean, he drew a big crowd. What sort of celebrity these days would pull that kind of crowd? But John says, I'm nothing compared to the one who's coming after me. I'm not even worthy to be his slave to stoop down and untie his sandals. And he says, verse 8, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This one who comes will, 
he's not just going to cleanse you on the outside. He will bring a true inward cleansing by the Holy Spirit of God. So John prepared the way for the Lord. And this is, this is a great expectation as we're, as we're reading through Mark's gospel. This is a, we're expecting something really significant. The arrival of the Lord. The coming of the Messiah, God's King. One more powerful than John who's, who is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Who's going to bring the forgiveness of sins. We are expecting the Lord to come. And then Mark says... Verse 9, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. This is Jesus' grand entry, him stepping on the scene. And it's kind of a bit surprising for a few reasons. Firstly, uh, Nazareth, in, Nazareth in Galilee was kind of nowheresville. Uh, it, was a, it was a backwater town in the sticks. It's kind of like in fear of offending someone. It's kind of like saying that, that he came from Baraba in northwest New South Wales. Is, is anyone from Baraba here? <laughs> anyone been to Baraba? A few people have. People know where Baraba is. It's, actually, my, my parents-in-law lived in Baraba for a few years. It's a lovely place. It's a very nice place. But it's a, a small, obscure place. Jesus came from an obscure, unimportant place, from, from Nazareth in Galilee. Secondly, it's surprising. It begs the question... Why is Jesus baptised by John? I mean, if he's this great one, so much greater than John, why is he baptised by John? Jesus didn't need to repent of sin. I think what's happening here is Jesus is identifying with the people that he's come to save. He's, he's connecting himself with, with John's ministry and with the, the people that John has prepared. And so Jesus is baptised. But his baptism was a baptism with a difference. As we read on, verse 10 says, Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And this is a spectacular event. Heaven torn open, Spirit descending, voice from heaven. And this tells us who Jesus truly is. He has the Spirit of God. He's God's Son. And, and again, if we understand uh, the, our Old Testament and are reading this with, with our Old Testament in mind, that, that statement, that voice from heaven, you are my Son, is very significant. It, it echoes of Psalm 2, that kind of national anthem, Psalm of, of Israel, the, the great Psalm of the King, the ruler, the one who will rule the world, who will subdue Israel's enemies, of whom God says, you are my Son. So this is, a, this is an introduction to who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the, the great King. But the next phrase there, whom I love, with you I am well pleased, that alludes to a different part of the Old Testament, to a, to a different character, to the suffering servant spoken of in Isaiah, who's introduced in Isaiah 2 verse 1 in, in this way, and the, these words will come on the, on the screen here. Here is my servant whom I uphold. My chosen one in whom I delight, I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. So Jesus here, at his, right at his beginning, at his baptism, is, is identified with both the king, who's going to rule in God's kingdom, and the suffering servant who will bring deliverance and forgiveness to God's people. It's a striking introduction. And we might expect that the, 
Well, the next thing we read is that Jesus heads off to Jerusalem and he starts his reign as the God-ordained king. Who... That's not what happens. Look what happens next, verse 12. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Now Jesus has, has already identified himself with God's people in baptism. Now he identifies himself with them again as, as he's tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. This alludes to, the, to, the, to God's people Israel who were tested in the wilderness back in uh, the exodus from Egypt. The difference here though is that Jesus remained faithful to God. He's the truly faithful one. And so this is saying, yes, Jesus is the Son of God, the Almighty King who rules, but he's also like us. He is fully human, yet without sin. Friends, this is an enormous comfort to us. Jesus knows what it is to struggle. He knows what it is to be tempted by sin. As it says elsewhere in Hebrews 4 verse 15. See that's, got, yeah, there it is. Uh, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is the Lord. He's the King. But he understands, he knows, and he helps us in our weakness. He's one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Well, this is the background, the introduction to Jesus. The action begins with what comes next, this world-changing announcement of verse 14. It says, after John was put in prison... Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. That's it in a nutshell. The time has come. It's time now. The kingdom of God has come near. God, the, the, the creator, the sustainer of the world has come. He has broken into time and space in this world. God's kingdom has come. It, it has begun. Friends, this is the great world-changing event of all time. The danger is that we don't see it, that it's just kind of words on a page. The arrival of Jesus, it has impacted this world like nothing else. It has impacted nations. It's shaped history. It's radically changed billions of lives. The impact of Christianity on this world is massive and it began with those words from Jesus, the time has come. But the announcement of this world-changing event is not just something of the past whose, whose impact kind of dims and fades over time perhaps like the, the big events of 2023. Now, this announcement of the kingdom, it calls for a response. Jesus said the kingdom of God is near. The response, repent and believe the good news. Now, Jesus said that to, uh, to those around him as he went into Galilee, but Mark recorded it here for us, so that some 2,000 years later, 
on the other side of the world, we might hear this response, this call. Because so great is the news of God's kingdom that the response it calls for, it, it rings out down through the ages across the world to us and to everyone in this world. Repent and believe the good news. What does that mean? What does it mean for, for, for that life, so world-changing event, for that to become a life-changing event for us? Well, firstly, Jesus says, repent. Uh, the word repentance, as I said before, it literally means a change of mind, a, a turning around, a turning around in our, in our thinking, in our behaviour. Uh, it's a decision to, to change from, from living with ourselves in charge to handing over control to Jesus and saying, you be God in my life, you're in charge. Repentance involves making that, that initial decision to turn around, to change who's in charge. But that, that's a decision that we continue to make, that we continue to repent, we continue to change our mind, we continue to, to give control to Jesus, to live his way. We repent of our sin, we repent of our self-rule. The older I get, the more aware of my sin I become. I remember something that someone said to me many years ago when I was a younger person, but I've grown to see it's true. And as I become aware of my sin, I need to continue to repent of it. I need to continue to change my mind about it, to, to bring it before God, to ask for his forgiveness and to ask him to change me. That's what I need to do. That's what you need to do if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus. As you face your sin in your life, maybe you've, you've criticised others when you lose your temper and yell at your kids or at your parents or at the idiot who cut in front of you on the road or when your heart is captivated by lust or envy or greed, when you're confronted by your sin, when there it is in front of you, what do you do? Do you sweep it aside, kind of brush it under the carpet, ignore it, try to forget about it? That's not what, not what a follower of Jesus does. Jesus says, repent. We must humble ourselves before God. Ask for his forgiveness. Ask him to change us. We must humble ourselves before others. Ask them to forgive us. Jesus says, repent. And secondly, he says, believe the good news. Believe and, and embrace the fact that, that God's kingdom has come, that, that Jesus has come into this world, the good news that we have. God has stepped into this world in time and space in the man Jesus Christ and he calls on people to follow him, to live for him, to live with him as king, to live in his kingdom, to live for his kingdom. So I want to say, friends, as we face this new year, my call to you is to live with Jesus as your king, to walk with him as your king in your life each day and to allow this, this world-changing event to be a life-changing event for you. I think we often need reminding of this. We, we can forget what an amazing thing it is that God has done in Jesus and we, we kind of forget and drift and just become like the people around us who don't know Jesus, who, who ignore Jesus. Friends, don't be like that. Live for the kingdom. His kingdom has come, so live for his kingdom. How do we do that? Look, we do that in all sorts of ways. That'll reach into all sorts of decisions about how we, how we live, about what we say, what we do, how we think. 
I can give some examples which might serve as reminders for many of us. Um, I'd say the first one, as we embark on a new year, as we think about our priorities for this year, what will they be? And it's not rocket science. And maybe I'm preaching to the choir because you're here on the first Sunday of, uh, of the year. But make church a top priority this year. If you're living for the kingdom of God, then make gathering together with his people to encourage one another to hear from God's word together, make that a top priority in our lives. Repent of other priorities that get in the way of that and aren't about God's kingdom. Make church a priority, not out of a sense of guilt or a sense that, well, John, I'll be somehow grumpy and disappointed with me if I don't, but because you're living for the kingdom. You're living for, for Jesus, your king, and you want to hear from his word. You want to encourage one another to live for him and be encouraged by others. Read the Bible passage ahead of time. Come expectant, ready to hear what God is saying to you in the Scriptures. Come to church because you're, you're eager to serve. I'm not talking about being on the roster, but just being here to serve others, saying hello to a newcomer, encouraging a friend to keep going and following Jesus. Or, or come to church just with the aim of finding five things or five people that you can pray for in this coming week. If we're living for the kingdom, let's make church a top priority. Related to that, and again, it's not rocket science, make growth group a top priority. Growth groups present us with an opportunity to, to commit to a small group of people and to encourage them and be encouraged by them to grow as a follower of Jesus in the year ahead. That's a great opportunity. That's a great way to help us, to help others to live for Jesus' kingdom. As I said, our, our groups will be starting up in about a month's time. We're, we're starting to get things organised. Now's a good time to be thinking, how can I be part of a group this year? Maybe that means joining a group if you haven't been part of a group. Maybe it means uh, changing groups. Maybe it means helping start a new group so that others can, can be part of a group. Maybe it means saying no to something else that gets in the way of you being part of and committing to a group of fellow disciples. That's one very valuable and concrete way to live for the kingdom. Third suggestion of how we can live for the kingdom is to pray for opportunities to share the good news of the kingdom. Uh, during our vision series last year, we talked about a, a, a bunch of the uh, opportunities that we're going to have this year to share the good news of Jesus with others. Will you pray for those plans? Pray for yourself. Pray that God will give you opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. Pray for me that he'll give me opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. Friends, God's kingdom has come. Jesus has brought the greatest world-changing event of all time. How will you respond to it? Will you regard it as a, a nice event of history that you assume will kind of fade with time? Or will you see Jesus for who he is? The King, the Lord, the one who came in fulfilment of God's promises, the servant who came to save and forgive his people. Will you repent of your sin? Will you believe and commit yourself to the good news, the, the, the news of God's kingdom? God's kingdom has come. Let's live for the kingdom. Amen. We're going to sing. We're going to sing of the amazing grace that God has shown to us in Jesus.